Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. For longtime listeners or faithful listeners, you will remember our guest on today's episode. Back in Season 6, Episode 27, Sister Anita Hodges joined us on the podcast for a chapel sermon entitled God's Great Memory. And here today, we've got an interview conducted by Sister Stephanie Gallion, our Executive Vice President's wife, with Sister Hodges. And I know that you're going to thoroughly enjoy this interview today. Before we get to the interview, I want to make you aware of a resource that perhaps you've heard about, but I want to focus in on the awesomeness of this resource. The Indiana Bible College Perspectives exists to promote apostolic growth by providing a forum for sharing of the new ideas, ministries, and programs in the United Pentecostal Church International. To redeem your free 12-month subscription to the IBC Perspectives magazine, just email perspectives at gotoibc.com. Be sure and mention the podcast promotion to redeem your free subscription. Right now, enjoy Sister Anita Hodges, interviewed by Sister Stephanie Gallion. So today we are so privileged and honored to have with us Sister Anita Hodges from San Diego, California. And Sister Hodges brings a wealth of knowledge and experience of over 50 years in ministry. And so today we've had the um, extraordinary opportunity to be able to sit down with her and just ask her some questions uh, pertaining to life and ministry, her background, um, and some questions about balancing home and ministry. And so um, thank you, Sister Hodges, for being here today. And we are so honored to have you at Indiana Bible College um, speaking to our young ladies yesterday and then, of course, in our chapel today. And then we've had this um, great opportunity to just sit down and have a little one-on-one conversation today. So, again, thank you for being here. We love having you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. So um, I did have several people send in some questions, and we just kind of want to work through these and see where they lead us and how many we can get to today. But first of all, um, what did the process of the call of God look like for you? Um, how did you know that you were called or how did, was there one specific moment or was it just kind of a touch on your life that you always felt, you know, God kind of drawing you to ministry? What, what did that look like? Process is the word. Mm-hmm. Some of my earliest min- uh, memories were being touched by the presence of the Lord. I remember mm-hmm. especially we visited the church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was a powerful church. They had great music. And I was just a little tiny girl before I even started to school. But I can remember the sound of that music and how I felt when I, I look back now and realize it was the presence of the Lord touched mm-hmm. my heart. It was the sweetest, most compelling experience. Mm-hmm. And I never got over that. And I never got past longing for that experience again. Mm -hmm. So even as a child, I was sensitive to the presence of the Lord. I sought for the Holy Ghost many years. Mm -hmm. I was the first in the altar and the last to leave. But 
uh, I realize now, of course, I could have had the Holy Ghost much sooner if I had known how to yield. Yes, but when I was 12, the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost. Wow. And um, I love the church. My dad was a pastor. We had ministers and families in our home. Mm -hmm. And something about the ministry was always very appealing to me. Mm. Just the fellowship and the hearing the talk and the wonderful stories. Yes. And my parents shared with me uh, the experience of, of Brother C.P. Kilgore and his wife, Ella Lee, and how they were pioneer Pentecostal uh, preachers. Granddad was, of course, and not grandmother. But there was something about that that was so gripping that even as a child, I grew to treasure it. Wow. So I, th I think just through that process of being with uh, people of God, mm -hmm. experiencing the presence of God, hearing the stories, mm -hmm. I think that all led me to love the church and the gospel the way I do now. Wow, that's beautiful. And Brother C.P. Kilgore, he was your grandfather? He was my grandfather. He was wow. my mother's father. Wow. And our home was filled with the stories the miraculous stories, but also the sacrifice oh, involved. Yeah. Mother was very sickly mm. as a child, and uh, she went through some difficult, heartbreaking situations because of that. Wow. And I heard the stories of a little girl who slept on a pallet on the floor mm. in the cold of winter, and she was cold and she got sick. But they always trusted God, mm. and they exhibited so much love in their family, that mm -hmm. even though it was a hard life, there was so much love that overshadowed everything. Wow. Love for each other and love for the work mm -hmm. of God. I love hearing stories like that. You know, I, I know, I do feel like we have sacrificed now, you know, people that know. But sometimes I wonder if we sacrifice enough, you know. I, I think listening. circumstances yeah. brings about that sacrifice from mm -hmm. time to time. Mother was very sickly, and uh, finally she had gotten a bad infection through mm -hmm. a bump on her elbow, and mm -hmm. she was very ill and had to go to a hospital. And she tells the story. It was not a children's hospital. It was a hospital for adults, and how uncomfortable she felt and knew nobody there and was just overwhelmed with just the knowledge of the process of how to mm -hmm. be, how to eat. Oh. And it was so difficult with her. But the doctors told grandmother and grandfather Kilgore that she was absolutely too sick to leave. Yes. And of course, granddad was evangelizing, so they couldn't stay. Mm -hmm. So this morning, the family was going to come by and tell her goodbye. And she waited and waited and waited and stood at the window, and she waited and waited. Oh. And finally, she had decided in her little broken heart that they hadn't had time and had left oh. her there. But in a little while, Granddad came in, told her to get her things together. They were leaving. And all that time, he had been arguing with the doctors that they could not leave her. Mm -hmm. And they were saying they could not take her. Oh. But finally, he was able to take her. And God, in his mercy, even through all of that, preserved her. Oh, but no. those stories yeah. made such an impact. And I think the contrast of how they had to suffer and how mm -hmm. little I had to suffer yeah. made me feel grateful to the Lord for all the blessings that he had given me. I yes, wasn't, of course, always perfect. Yes, but it did bring that awareness to mm -hmm. me. Amen. 
So I, I know you mentioned that when you were 20 years old, I believe, you met and married Brother Verbal Bean. Um, could you talk to us a little bit about that in your early ministry when you were married with uh, married to Brother Bean? Actually, the first time I met uh, Verbal, I was 17 years old. Okay. And our family had gone back to Texas because my grandfather, Kilgore, had had a heart attack okay. and was in the hospital. So that was in San Antonio, and uh, Mom and Dad took me out of school, and we went back to be with Granddad. As it happened, he lived through that event, but mm -hmm. we weren't sure. Mm -hmm. While I was there, my Uncle James Kilgore, who pastored in Houston, mm -hmm. drove over from Houston to be with all of us and to see Granddad. But he needed to get back home for the weekend, okay. and he, he was going to take me home with him, and then Mom and Dad would pick me up later. And I always loved to be with the Kilgores. It was just exciting and thrilling, and they always had great church. And he told me, he said, Nita, you're going to love our evangelist. And he started telling me about the revival with Verbal and how it had come about. And that first night in service, when Verbal stepped to the pulpit, I was just blown away by his ministry. Mm -hmm. He was also tall and handsome and charismatic and all those things. Mm -hmm. But honestly, the uh, depth of his ministry was one of the great attractions that I felt toward him. Wow. But I was just a young, mm -hmm. foolish girl, and he was an established evangelist. <laughs> so I thought this would never happen. But it did happen two and a half years later. Wow. Uh, he had preached a revival for Dad, and we'd become acquainted during that time and had fallen in love. And just after I turned 20, in fact, we scheduled the wedding date to be after my birthday okay. so I could say I was 20 so when we married. Idea. We married Aww. there in San Jose, and uh, it was a simple, uh, sacred wedding, and it was a precious time, and mm. I got to be married to the man of my dreams. Oh, that's beautiful. And so from there... You traveled and evangelized? Yes. Can you just talk us through those early days with him, even into the Greens Bio Church? Okay. Well, uh, he was an established evangelist, yes, and his ministry was already powerful and great. He didn't need me in the ministry, mm -hmm. but I felt like he needed a wife, and I was thankful mm -hmm. that God had allowed me to, to be his wife. And I, we loved the evangelistic work, and there was a lot of prayer we usually always had 10 o'clock prayer meeting mm -hmm. every day. Most of the revivals were every night of the week. Mm -hmm. When we had a break, quote unquote, <laughs> we would take Monday nights off. Wow. But we traveled around. We met some outstanding, wonderful people. Uh, often we stayed in the home with them. Mm -hmm. And um, that first year, was uh, it was thrilling and exciting. We didn't yet have a, a travel trailer, so we stayed mm -hmm. in evangelist quarters or with, mm -hmm. the, with the pastor and wife. But honestly, uh, Sister Stephanie, I don't have any sad stories to tell no, about no. the treatment on the evangelistic yeah. field or the bad accommodations or anything yeah. like that. We were treated very, very well. And, mm -hmm. and then um, I got to experience this ministry when Verbal would go into churches mm -hmm. And through the help of God and the anointing of God, churches that had been um, not free in worship and maybe not as prayerful as they could have mm -hmm. or should have been, mm -hmm. but somehow through his ministry, he was able to break through that mm -hmm. 
And then usually the first weeks were hard because there was a lot of digging. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of um, revelation of sin that happened during those times. Mm. And of course that was all uh, private and personal, but God was working a work in these congregations. Mm -hmm. And then when you dug through that and you got the church praying and faith was building mm -hmm. and, uh, and then some of the service was very, very serious that you felt like you were being hung out over hell and you oh. sure didn't want to go there. Oh. And it was just, um, it was a miraculous time, and then we would get the break, and people would pray through, and then the worship would be free. It was wonderful. It was wow. just wonderful to be able to experience that, wow. even with the inconveniences of traveling in a car and, yes, and all of that. Yes. And so um, <clears throat> at the end of the first year of our marriage, our first child was born, Jana, and she was a wonderful blessing. We were thrilled to death with that. Mm -hmm. And we continued traveling, and then uh, shortly before Jennifer was born, that was almost three years later, we were able to get a travel trailer. Okay. So that made, that made evangelizing so much better wow. and more convenient. And we just loved our little trailer. It was tiny and crowded, but we loved it. The girls loved it. And we continued on with that until Jana was five. Okay. And then... Um, I'm doing a run-on sentence. I need to give a little background on Verbal and his mother. Mm -hmm. When Verbal was 17, his father had died when he was 14, and they were in Orange, Texas. And at 17, after he graduated from high school, he and his mother, Sister mm -hmm. Bernice Bean, went to Houston okay. and started two churches. Wow. He started one and she started one. Okay. And they helped each other, and the mm -hmm. congregations helped each other. And uh, that went on for a few years, and then he felt the call to the ministry. And after he'd been ministering several years, uh, then we got a call from his mother. Okay. Uh, the church that, that uh, Verbal had pastored was doing well, and Sister Bean was a wonderful woman of faith and mm -hmm. prayed people through to the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. But it was difficult to maintain that congregation because we had so many awesome wonderful mm -hmm. preachers and churches in Houston, mm -hmm. people were drawn away. And she had built a new building, very nice building, okay. and uh, the expenses became more than that little congregation could handle. Mm -hmm. And the banker called her in and told her that she had to resign the church or they would foreclose on it. Mm -hmm. So she called Verbal in, and the congregation, the little group left, was thrilled because they had always loved him. Mm -hmm. And it was a heartbreaking time for Sister Bean. I look back now and wish I'd been a little more understanding and sympathetic for her situation during then. But uh, God moved in that church, and almost from the day one, we had revival. And so we were there then for 10 years. Oh, wow. And it was a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. It was a time that then I really got involved in the ministry. Okay. Um, I led ladies' prayer meeting. I taught the young people. We made peanut brittle. We planned banquets. We do all kinds of things like that. And I felt the great um, feeling that, that I was being beneficial in this ministry. Before, I felt like I was just there as a wife, yes. but I felt like I was also that touching the ministry. So that right. was that was great. It was a great church. That transition from evangelist wife to pastor's mm -hmm. wife. 
can be a huge transition. Right. You know. Yes. Trying to take on the and share the load and, mm-hmm. and carry the load and the burden of right. pastoring alongside your husband. Yes. And, you know, all my life I've heard, you know, stories about the Greens Bio mm-hmm. Church and its glory days. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, it really was. Yeah. This church was full of young couples mm-hmm. and children and people were praying through and there was a mighty move mm-hmm. of God. It really was. We look back on yeah. it and call it a perfect time. It wasn't perfect. Right. But it was perfect in the sense that we were fulfilling the will of God in Beautiful our lives. season of yeah. life. Yes. And so, of course, you know, as we all know, then Brother Bean was so tragically taken. Yes. And um, can you just talk to us a little bit about how um, when you are walking through trials, how do you keep a healthy emotional state and stay encouraged? I know that tragedy had to be so devastating. It was terrible. Uh, Verbal was killed instantly. His aunt was with us in the car and she died a week later. Mm -hmm. And Joel, our 21-month-old son, was almost killed. Mm -hmm. And my back was broken and both feet were broken. It was a horrible tragedy. Mm -hmm. And I look back now and marvel that that I could even come through it. Uh, Fortunately, our daughters were both with friends that Mm -hmm. weekend. We'd taken a trip to Louisiana to do some uh, family business, and they weren't with us, so they Mm -hmm. were protected. I've thanked God over and over for sparing them, for sparing Joel, and for sparing me. And the loss is almost impossible to explain. It was so great. But I have to tell you that when I was weak and not able to pray for myself or even take care of myself, the family of God came in, your parents, other people in the church. They did everything for me. They took Mm -hmm. care of me like a baby. And the people of God everywhere told me they were praying for me. And my family came in. They were wonderful helped to me, and the Jacksons were nearby, uh, people, close friends in the ministry. Uh, and she came and treated me like a sister. Mm-hmm. So it was all of the support of the body of Christ, and I really believe it was during that process that I just fell in love with the people of God because mm-hmm. they had been so wonderful and really sustained us. They That's really good. carried us and wow. sustained us. That's so beautiful. I feel like so many people that don't have that network or or, or they do and they don't know how to appreciate mm-hmm. it. Um, I don't know how people in the world make it without the family of God, but I know sometimes our nature and our instinct is in it is to withdraw mm-hmm. and isolate through these hard mm-hmm. times and through grief and circumstances. But when you can really allow the family of God to yes. be that. Yes. It's such a beautiful and wonderful thing. Oh my goodness, it was it was priceless. It was a lifesaver in many ways. So from um, Brother Bean, then you know, a few years later, you met Brother Hodges. Yes. And then could you talk us through that process in your ministry with Brother Hodges and how that changed or what that looked like for you? Okay. Uh, after after Verbal was killed and uh, I felt like I had to leave the church because a new pastor and wife were coming in Mm -hmm. and I felt like I needed my family. So we moved back to San Jose. I moved with my three children. 
I was there for three years, and it was a wonderful experience. Even though my heart was broken, when I look back and remember those days, I remember joy. I was involved mm -hmm. in the singles ministry. Okay. My brother had told me, Jimmy Shoemake and Bobby Shoemake was my sister-in-law. They mm -hmm. were wonderful. It was a great church. Mm -hmm. There was a, a big revival going on at that time, a lot of freedom in the spirit. And um, Jimmy told me, he said, now, Nita, when you're ready, we want you to be involved, but we want to give you a time of healing. Mm -hmm. And they did, and I needed that. But then I was involved and I made some close friendships, even though I was only there, <clears throat> excuse me, at that time for three years. Mm -hmm. uh, that had been the church I had grown up in. Okay. So in, in, right. in ways I was going back home. Yes, and a lot of the people I already knew. And the church just embraced us and loved us and helped us. And um, then I was in another position. I wasn't the pastor's wife, but I was a saint. But I loved that too. Okay. And I was involved in mm -hmm. um, Sunday school teaching and the choir and the singles ministry. And that was, it was a good time in spite of the grief. It was mm -hmm. a good time to be there. Um, but often I've thought about women who didn't have that support group, who mm -hmm. lose their husband and then they lose their church yes, and then they lose the ministry. Yes. And sometimes they seem to be forgotten. I hope not. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure we've been enough care, uh, careful enough yeah. about the widows of our preachers and pastors. Oh. oh, so where they feel displaced and they don't really have a place to go. Yes, they feel exactly. Useless or worthless. I know. I know. Oh, I really man. do feel like, and I know the Ladies Ministries has the WOW mm -hmm. Ministry yes, Women of Worth, yes. and that's very, very valuable. I would love right. to see that expanded. Yes, ma'am. We we can lose Absolutely. our we can lose our our widows yeah. because usually and often they have to move, mm -hmm. and their so names true. are no longer in the manual. Right, so true. And we can just lose yeah. them. So I I wish wow. I don't know what should be done, mm -hmm. but so this would lead us into this next question. Can you explain how resiliency? or being able to deal with challenges or transitions, and I feel like you've probably kind of already spoken to this, um, how has that been developed in your own life, being resilient through all of this transition, all of this change, you know, and now Brother Hodges has passed, mm -hmm. and so you've gone through another loss right. with him, and just how has that been developed? When these tragedies occur, we can give in and give up. Mm -hmm because it really, these are crushing blows. Yes, and it would be easy to do that. Mm -hmm. And yet, that's, that spiritual survival thing kicks in too. Right. I, I'm thinking spiritual would be like if, if somebody threw you into a swimming pool and you couldn't swim. Mm -hmm. It's swim or die. Right. Yeah. And so with these situations, it's either you get some strength mm -hmm. and, okay. and make a life and go on for the Lord or give up into chaos, right. death. Yes. It would have been spiritual death. Yes. So there's, in my mind, there was never really any, any no, choice. Right. No I was question. gonna live for God. I wanted my children mm -hmm. raised to know the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so you just sometimes do what you have to do. Mm -hmm. But I can look back now and see that the grace of God was on us from yes. day one. Yes. The, the power of the Lord helped us, it helped mm -hmm. us and kept us mm -hmm. in spite of these horribly trying, heartbreaking yeah. situations. 
but God was there. And then when you understand that, mm -hmm. that God is always there, mm -hmm. then you just mm -hmm. love him so much. Yeah. And, and in the long run, it strengthens you. Absolutely. In the short run, there's that very vulnerable time mm -hmm. there that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I tell the students all the time, his strength is made perfect in our weakness, that's the Bible true. says. And if we're never weak, his that's, strength can't be made perfect. That's right. And so when we go through these weak times or these trying times, his strength is always going to be there. And ministry is not for quitters. That's true. So you just keep going. Yes. And somehow the strength of the Lord just really girds you up and surrounds you and, and helps you make, you know, make it through. It's right. so beautiful. Yes, that is true. Mm -hmm. So how do you not let your challenges or trials hinder your ability to minister to others? Well, in the first place, you have to give yourself space. Mm. And after Verbal was killed, I was not in any position to minister. I was broken. Mm. Not just my body, but my emotions. Right. And I was broken. And I had to have healing. Mm -hmm. And I was so blessed to be in a wonderful church in the arms of my family and people who loved me yes, and helped me through that process. But I didn't have anything to give in the way of ministry for a while, right. just until I got some healing. And there were some other very heartbreaking, difficult mm -hmm. things that happened at that point. Mm -hmm. And so in many ways, I could say emotionally and maybe even spiritually, I was kind of battered and beaten up a little mm -hmm. bit. But there again, you know, God in His time. Mm -hmm. It's such a wonderful thing. And I can remember being broken in the services. Mm -hmm. Any uh, touching, mm -hmm. moving song, I was just broken. I was just absolutely broken. But as, as you quoted, through our brokenness mm -hmm. and our weakness, then God yeah. can come in and help us and strengthen us. And then... As time moved on and I moved a little bit into ministry, doing a little speaking and teaching and things, mm -hmm. then all of these experiences came to play mm -hmm. in that. Yeah. And it helped me, uh, even ways that I couldn't explain or even know. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I do know that those times of brokenness before God and your total dependency mm -hmm. on Him and the body of Christ, that, that does a great preparation for ministry. Mm -hmm. It really does. Being able to minister to people out of your brokenness and the hurt That's that right. you've experienced. That's right. And so sometimes it's a little embarrassing to me because I can just become a puddle of tears. It's like <laughs> this um, maybe not the brokenness, but the tenderness right. is always right at the surface <laughs> yes. of my consciousness. <laughs> and anything can trigger it. Yes, a kind word, a warm hug. <laughs> mostly music or sermons, right. and it just pushes me right over the edge, and I'm just weeping and weeping. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, it can be a little embarrassing because <laughs> there are times you want to kind of keep it together and be strong right. and, uh, and be this exuberant, right. happy. Yeah. But it seems like that the ministry that I have, and I'm not saying it's great or anything, but it seems like that it was built on the brokenness, and I can't seem to get away from the brokenness. And yeah. I, I don't know why. But I just feel like that God's in control, 
And even though it may be a little embarrassing or maybe seem a little sissy or weak or I'm, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm probably putting those adjectives in where other people yeah. wouldn't, but... No, it doesn't seem that way at all. But it's present. In fact, I was listening to you when you, when you said that about how you couldn't minister to people because you were so broken, and I thought, I think sometimes that's where we go wrong mm -hmm. in our self-awareness and being able to admit that I'm not in a position right now. I need healing. Mm -hmm. I need God to work on me. Yes. Um, and I feel like sometimes in ministry you have that expectation of having to just, which ministry is not for quitters. We just talked about mm -hmm. all of that. But also being an aware enough to know that I'm in a season right now and I'm broken. Mm -hmm. And I need God to work on me yes. so that I can minister yes. to others. Absolutely. But I think sometimes we, those expectations that we can't do that. Mm -hmm. Or that we shouldn't, because mm -hmm. if we show weakness, you know, yeah. then we're we're less than, or yes. we are weak. When really, I don't think that's it at all. No. I think we are in seasons sometimes, and God takes us through seasons of brokenness. And it takes a lot of courage to be able to admit that you were in that season and needed the Lord mm -hmm. to heal you before you could pour out again. Yes, it's so true. And so, but all of that becomes a part of it. The part of the journey. Yes, yes. Wow. What would you say is the greatest challenge of apostolic women in today's today's society? You've been through a lot. You've seen a lot. I think um, the spirit of the world is so corrupt right now, and I think there is so much hate and division and accusations, and I think anything that's very prevalent in the world, unless we're very, very cautious, bleeds over into the church. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to separate our battles mm -hmm. and understand that what we're fighting is a spiritual battle. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's against us, but really mm -hmm. it, it is Antichrist. I'm not saying it's the Antichrist, right. it's just, but it's a spirit against right. Christ. Yes, and we need, I think, to always remember that. I really don't mm -hmm. think we should get into big political battles. Mm -hmm. I don't think we should call names mm -hmm. and put other people who believe otherwise than we do down. Right. I think we need the greatest need for us right now, I believe is to be like Jesus Christ. Mm. I really believe that now more than ever before, mm -hmm. and I do believe even in a wicked world like we're living in now, mm -hmm. and the authority in our world seems so uh, wicked, but I do believe this is an opportunity for ministry because I think people are looking for a kind word. Mm. Yes. I think they're tired yes. of the hate yes. and all of that. Yes. And if we could just spread mm -hmm. our love and the love of God and the gospel mm -hmm. of Christ into this hurting, broken world, I think there are probably many people that would be receptive. Oh, amen. I believe that. It feels like everywhere you go, you know, with the pandemic and mm -hmm. COVID and just all the things going on, it feels like everybody senses something. Something's right. different, yes. isn't it? Yes. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Like you can just talk to random strangers. And so many random strangers stop me in stores and just say something. You just feel like something's different. I, I just can't believe this. 
And yeah, I, yes. I do believe this is an opportunity, as yes, painful as it's been. Absolutely. And really, Sister Stephanie, I don't think things are ever going to be the way they were before. I don't either. It's This is the world we're in, and yes, we have to figure out how to live in this world yes, and still show the love of Christ. Yes, ma'am. Amen. The last... <laughs> last question that we have for today and then we will be done <laughs> is what are your thoughts on mentoring and training young people for ministry oh it's so. essential it is absolutely essential mm. we are one generation away from losing oh, the apostolic amen. faith yes, there is no greater calling than to yes, minister to our children mm -hmm. and to our young people and to prepare them I raised my children mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. the way I was raised. Yes, but you can't do that now because mm -hmm. the world I was raised in and even the world my children mm -hmm. were raised in does no longer That's exist. So we are in a different world. That's I cannot overemphasize mm -hmm. the importance for parents oh. to keep their children close to yes. God and close to the church Jesus, for ministering in our Sunday schools, our Christian schools, mm -hmm. our Bible schools. We mm -hmm. have got to strengthen this generation because they're going to face things and worse things, yes. harder things yes, than yes. I ever faced. I it's essential. That. It's just absolutely necessary. Amen. So God bless you oh. in your work Jesus with young name. people. What a awesome thing that is to to equip people and arm people mm. and teach people the word so they can go out and do spiritual battle when we're all gone amen amen god bless you thank you thank you for being here and for um sharing your heart with us and opening up and just speaking to us from your heart and um i know that all those that will hear this podcast are going to be blessed by it. So Thank you. We love you. Thank you. Thank for you. Here. I love you too. God bless you. Hey, thanks for joining us today on the IBC podcast. Did you know that you can advertise your product, service, event, or conference right here? All you need to do is email podcast at gotoibc.com and we will give you the information you need to partner with us to get in front of an apostolic audience who would be interested in your product or service. God bless. This is Kevin, the producer of the IBC Podcast. This episode is over. Thanks for being with us. You can check out the show notes for related podcast episodes and links to products, services, or additional materials mentioned in today's podcast.